ButcherBox makes it easy and convenient to get the highest quality grass-fed, grass-finished beef, organic free-range chicken, heritage breed pork, and wild-caught seafood without any antibiotics or added hormones delivered straight to your door. For me, I love their ribeye steak with a smoke and reverse sear, their tender belly bacon, which is some of the best uncured bacon on planet Earth. ButcherBox partners with people, small farmers included, that treat their animals in the best possible way and never give any added antibiotics or hormones. When you join, you choose your box and delivery frequency. You can cancel at any time without any penalty, and ButcherBox delivers amazing and fresh meat right to your door in a 100% recyclable box. For a limited time only, get free chicken nuggets for a year and 10% off your first box when you sign up today and use the code WP. That's a 22-ounce bag of gluten-free organic chicken nuggets in every order for a year when you sign up at butcherbox.com forward slash WP and use the code WP. Welcome to Western Contours Podcast, sharing experiences, providing insight, and looking for solutions to become better hunters. We talk gear, on and off season preparation, tips and tactics, conservation, and finding inspiration in the outdoors as sportsmen and women. Thank you for joining us as we share our love for all things Western hunting. That's just the way it goes, okay. man. That, that little warm-up can cost you. I know. And, and it's always I some, know. there's some pearls in it. So we're on with uh, Mr. Jermaine Hodge. Um, man, I appreciate you sitting down, um, taking the time out of your day. I know, you know, as we get closer to the magical date of uh, September 1st, well, I say September 1st, Colorado kicks off on the 2nd. Um, I, I, I'm always... I'm always happy when someone uh, says yes, right? Because it's uh, it's work time right now, right? I mean, we're working all year, but this is this is crunch time. So I appreciate you jumping on, brother, um, and sitting down with me. Why don't we drop into a little intro? Uh, just let folks know who Jermaine Hodge is and uh, get some background, man. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I know I've been on some podcasts before, but I'm uh, if you don't know me, uh, my name is Jermaine Hodge. Uh, I'm part of the world-class athlete program for the army. And um, I'm one of the coaches now. I used to compete uh, Greco-Roman wrestling for years. And here kicks off here in uh, about an hour or so. I'm going to be watching some wrestling on TV. We had some guys compete in the Olympics. And, and I'm, I'm I'm still a big fan. And I love love the sport of wrestling. And I think, you know, for, for me, it's, you know, I'm biased. And, and that's one of the toughest sports in the U.S., in the world, period. But I'm just a little bit biased on that. But what I will tell you is I'm from North Carolina, uh, originally from – I would tell everybody where I'm from, but they probably won't know, but I'll tell you anyways. uh, Orange County, North Carolina, and that's – and Gulf is uh, Hillsborough and and, uh, Chapel Hill kind of areas. So if you know Michael Jordan, I'm close to that area. 
<laughs> uh, I went to Orange High School and uh, I wrestled for that program uh, for a little while. And then I went to Lassen College in California, Susanville, California, a uh, little town up north of California. Yeah. Yep. And uh, anyways, I graduated from there and then went to, uh, uh, I did a lot of hunting there, but it was all small game. But uh, uh, then I went to uh, UNC Pembroke, was doing some stuff with uh, the the community college and, and th- their stuff. And me and my brother were kind of together. And then uh, I told my brother, I said, uh, I said I'm going to join the Army. And everybody kind of flipped out on it. And I said, well, I just want to find a program that I'm dedicated to wrestling and that's my love. And, um, so then, you know, fast forward a little bit, uh, got the opportunity to be a part of the world-class athlete program. And, uh, I came in the the army in 2004 and then I joined the program in 2005. It's a lot of other stories in there in the mix, but I just want to fast forward because I really want to talk about, uh, hunting and, and I, I t- so so we get into the hunting aspect I didn't really start hunting until I was in the ninth ninth and tenth grade I had a good friend of mine uh Chad Merritt from North Carolina he his parents owned uh Merritt Marina in North Carolina and they there was a like a boat company and and then I met Zach Vandevender who still hunts with me to till to today you know, started hunting elk with me recently about four years ago. And then, um, uh, we, you know, they took me under their wing and they started showing me archery hunting and, and I absolutely fell in love with it. Of course, there were some missed years after I left high school and, and everybody kind of went their own way, but I never fell out of love with hunting because I felt like it was something that was challenging to me. And, uh, so, to fast forward now, uh, I, w- I went, you know, came to Colorado and then I was like, holy smokes, we're in elk country the now. Mecca. What can The Mecca of, <laughs> of elk country. I can't miss this opportunity. So, uh, you know, I, I started trying to, to teach myself how to elk hunt and how to call elk. And uh, I cut my teeth in 2006, 2005, I missed a draw. And then 2006, I jumped into it head first. It was like diving in the pool and didn't know how to swim. <laughs> and uh, and everybody was like, "No, save him!" No, I don't need. I, I don't need, need no saving. floaties. Let's go. I don't need no floaties. Let's go. And uh, so I killed my first elk in 2006, which was my first season. Uh, and I'll tell you a brief story. My wife was pregnant, and she was due in September. Who makes babies in September? I was the one. That's a fool's game. Uh, so, so I didn't know. <laughs> and uh, anyway, she says, you, you, you got to be home every night. I was like, every night? That's a two-hour drive. You know, <laughs> two hours up, go hunt, two Come hours back. back. Yep. So I made the promise to her that I'd be home every night because she was due early mm-hmm. September. And um, sure enough, Lo and behold, uh, I found some elk and I, I couldn't I couldn't call them in by myself because I was a beginner caller and there was some things that I just didn't couldn't figure it out yet. And uh, I called a friend up and he did, he wasn't a very good caller. And I stuck a hoochie mama in his hand. I said, man, listen, I just need you to back off 
where I am. We're going to set up in this location and I'll call these elk down. And, uh, and then I need you to take over with the hoochie mama so you can close the distance and, and I can get a good shot on this bull because, you know, at the time, I think, you know, my, my effective range at that time was no more than 55 yards. And, uh, I said, I just need to close the distance. Well, anyways, we get into the area and we parked this, this Jetta. We took a Jetta up there, by the way, <laughs> it was a Jetta. It was a diesel Jetta <laughs> back in the backwoods. Neither one of us, I think neither one of us knew what, what the heck we were doing. And, uh, we went back in there. Uh, we called, I called these elk down and, uh, one, one committed it was a raghorn little five by three comes in and, I didn't care. I was just trying to be successful. Mm-hmm. And um, so I had my buddy, I shut up. I told him, I said, I, I said, as soon as I shut up, man, I want you to take over. And I, he heard me shut up and he just started hoochie mumming it away. And uh, sure enough, this elk comes in at 40. He does a couple of circles. He doesn't see anything, but it wasn't no good shot. And then when he turned broadside, I smoked him. It happened so fast. I didn't even realize that I killed elk. <laughs> I was like, I don't even know if I shot him. <laughs> so, uh, he piled up, he piled up, not even 40, maybe 50 yards away at the most. And, uh, um, so that was my very first experience elk hunting, but it was addictive. I had something that was super hard. It was just as hard as if I was stepping on the stage wrestling and uh, it was a challenge there. And I loved that challenge. So anyways, fast forward to, to, to today, you know, now I've, you know, challenged myself to the point where I'm trying to kill mature bulls and what can I do to add more spice to the game? And, um, I go back 2019, um, a buddy of mine, you know, started hunting with me and he said, man, you're one of the best elk callers I've ever experienced. He was kind of pumping my head up. And, but it wasn't just him. It was everybody else that I was hanging out with. They were like, man, when you set us up for, for a scenario, for an encounter, we don't know if you are the bull or, or if that's or the, the bull. bull. <laughs> yeah, yeah we, we, we just don't know. So, so they, they're telling me all this. And then my buddy, Pat Latrell, he's still, you know, he's an avid hunter and, and, um, he hunts with me and, and he, he told me, he said, man, listen, there's a competition in Colorado Springs. I want you to be a part of, I said, man, I'm not doing no stage competition, man. I'll go up there. I might, I might pee myself, man. Mm-hmm. I said, I, I, that's, that's a, that's, I'm going to say that for wrestling. Uh, I'm not going to do that, you know, in on stage. Well, he convinced me enough to, to get after it. Well, I got on stage and, um, entered the contest no high expectations it was in colorado springs and uh so anyways i go to you know competition and it's like seven or eight maybe seven or eight com- you know competitors there trying to compete to win a few little prizes and and uh i just said i said well we'll see what happens it's nothing big we'll see what happens and um they throw out the rules of the competition. They say, well, if somebody draws a number one out of this hat, that person has to blow 
he has to he has to call twice, and it's only to warm up the judges. Well, they don't really do this in big competitions, but they, they did it in this competition. I said, well, okay. So somebody has to blow twice, you know, blow the you know the reeds and stuff like that. Well, anyways, well, lo and behold, I I draw number one. They said, well, you got to draw another number, and I draw number five, and I said, oh man, okay, I gotta I gotta go up on stage twice. Nerve wracking. This is the first time. This is the first time I get up there and I do my best. Forty five seconds out. I mean, cow sounds. I, blow sounds and they said it's 45 second bull sounds and I blow mine and I'm looking out in the crowd now there's like eight, seven or eight contestants but, but there's like 30 or 40 people out there watching this and everybody's jaw is like oh my god you know <laughs> and I can see I can see it and I'm like well, is that good or, or is that is bad, bad kind of yeah. thing? <laughs> yeah so, so I sit back down as nervous as I can be and my wife was like yo you just blew everybody's mind. Heck and I yeah. said, okay. Well, I, you know, I don't know. And uh, the first contestant comes up, second, and so on. And I'm like, wow. You know, they, you know, they can call some elk in. You don't have to be a world champion elk caller to call an elk. I've experienced that in years uh, in the elk woods. But I, I was listening to them. I was like, yeah, they can, they can call some elk in, but... I think I'm a little better. I was just biased to myself. I'm biased to myself. You always got to toot your own horn. Uh, and uh, But anyways, contestant number five comes up. That's me. I go back up there and I do my same thing. Don't change much. Just go up there and blow. Well, they're giving out prizes at the very end. No high expectations. Uh, number three guy. You know, he goes up there, he wins his prize. Number two guy goes up there and wins his prize. And I'm like, well, I just got smoked, right? I said, well, I just didn't win anything. I'm I'm fine with it. We had fun. And they called my name up. Yeah, you won this. Well, the the ones that were the judges for that competition was Tom Deesman and his son. Uh, his son is uh, Tom. Tom and... Thomas and Tom, my wife is correcting me as I, I say this, but, <laughs> but but the Deesmans are phenomenal. They they own uh, mile mile high note no, okay. game calls. Right. Yep, great guys, and um, they do a phenomenal job of promoting elk hunting in Colorado. So does other you know other companies in Colorado, but they do a really good job and good friends with those guys. Uh, and and uh, they came up to me and they were like, "Man, who are you?" <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "Man, I'm just an average Joe." And they were like, "Was this your first competition?" I mean, no. It's to say, how many competitions you been in? And I said, "Well, this is my first competition." They were like, "What?" And they said, "Man, you you would do really good at competing on stage, and we're encouraging you to keep going." And they pumped my head up so much. <laughs> and then along with my buddy Pat, and then I, I went to uh, regionals in Salt Lake City. We were just talking about mm-hmm. that, uh, that expo out there. I went out there and uh, I had a break in, uh, in, in between competitions and my mission and stuff like that. So I said, well, I'll fly out. I'll do the competition. Then I got to fly out straight to another mission. Well, I went out there. And there was a lot of contestants in there. Entered the men's division. And um, 
I got smoked up. It was like 32 contestants. I ended up like 14th out of 32. I did my best rendition of me being in the woods. And I said, oh my God, I just got beat up here. (laughs) And literally that drove me just like if I was competing on the Olympic stage or the world stage or national stage for wrestling. I was like, nah, I'm not going to get beat like that. So I went home. And I knew the next competition was world championships. And I practiced religiously. I said, I'm going to practice the things that I need to work on. Well, here we are, 2019, and I'm at world championships. And I have no expectation. All I want to do is beat a couple people. Beat a couple people in a bracket, and I'd be satisfied. Well, it was a little different format, and it was head-to-head competition, almost like an NCAA bracket. So a team against a team versus heads, you know, one person against one person. And I said, well, man, I think I'll do pretty good if I can just go against an individual instead of everybody. Mm-hmm. So lo and behold, first person, I go up there, and he is phenomenal. Jesus, I don't know. I don't know how far this is going to go. And 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 they had seven judges, and they judge it. Uh, they seven judges judge, and you got you get the best best out of seven. So I beat the first guy four three, and I think I still got I got I got the bracket hanging up. But don't quote me on this. I think they beat the first guy four three, and he was very good. So good, I was like, yeah, man, I'm done on first round. <laughs> and uh, and that that year, it was a phenomenal all the way around. It was great callers. Well, they called me a, a bracket buster because I started just going through and busting brackets, but I didn't know that I was that good compared to the other, you know, contestants. I was just... Doing, doing my what best. You do. yep. Doing what I do. And uh lo and behold, I made the semifinals, which was the, the final four. And uh if you made the final four, you were invited back to the next day, which determined who was gonna be first through fourth. So uh I went back the next day. I said, Well, I've exceeded my expectations. The next day I'm just gonna have fun. And uh I went out there the next day and I said, well, I'm not going to change anything. I'm just going to go out here and blow my best uh, elk calls and we'll see where it falls. Well, lo and behold, I win my semifinals and then I'm in the finals and then they announced the winner and it's me. And I was like, I was blown away. I was like, who? wow. Who's your main hodge? Uh, I, yeah, who, yeah, who is this guy? At this, point, at this point, no one really knew me, but they were like... This dude is phenomenal. But let me go back to to who I am and what I did to get where I was. Um, I, I I just practiced a lot and I, I drive myself off of being competitive at wrestling. And wrestling drove me to be competitive in, in the Elk Woods because I knew how hard it was to to win a world medal or an Olympic medal on those stages, but also when I got into the woods and I was trying to chase elk, I knew how hard it was. So I was drove down the road of, if that road is hard, I really want to go down that road because that pushes me so much. 
And and we we talked earlier before the the podcast, but uh, what I what I will tell you is that uh, I'm I'm driven off I'm driven off of hard work, and it, it gets you where you are. Whether you start at the small stage to where you are now, just work hard, and you. But that's me kind of sum it up and there's some other stuff in there and it could be a long long story but no that's that's great man i mean that's me it's such a i want to say it's such an unusual story right um just to just fall into that and and not realize that you're an exceptional caller but to have people you know pushing pushing you to that um i I think it's a cool story i i i (sighs) totally unusual right you hear that and it's you know it's it's some killer that's been hunting elk for you know 15 20 30 years and he's on that on that you know world stage as it goes for the elk woods uh but you did bring up a bunch in there man um you know so i'm gonna rewind us a little bit and and i find there's some value when you talk about elk hunting and the availability of information today you can get on instagram and every podcast platform and youtube and all these websites and it can almost be a daunting task to figure out what's the best information for the scenario that I'm walking into every year, right? And I got to imagine for a lot of folks that that's a lot of the holdup. And I get people all the time and and I love getting the questions, right? How do I do this or what do I do? Um, you know, I don't know if I'm ready. And my, and my answer is always just go. Right. You, you can't you can't do if you're not there to do just go. And what you said is, you know, you were out there not knowing what you're doing. That to me is almost the yeah. best scenario because then you're forced to figure it out and you're not trying to decipher 50 different pieces of information and equate it to that scenario you're in. I, I, I feel like, you know, that just let me get out here and figure this mess out. Uh, and, and 10 years ago, 12 years ago, there wasn't this amount or this flood there wasn't of, information. A lot of information. Yeah. I mean, you're talking right. primos videos and things of that nature. Yeah. Let me show you this story. Let me share this story. And I, know, I, I know we're going to go down lots of rabbit holes. Oh, yeah. I always do. I always do. Uh, by the way, I'm not sponsored by Bush Light, but I do like Bush Light. So if you see me crack a beer open <laughs> or something, that's what I do. I like to sit back and, and enjoy myself, especially on my, my evenings off. But uh, so what I will tell you is that when, when I was learning, I had oogops. I can't even tell. I still got them. I think I still got them. My my wife might correct me, but I still got them. I had the truth one through 16 at that point. (laughs) I watched all their videos, primos, and I was all about primos. Like, whoa, man, these guys are killing it. Well, what I was learning, I really wasn't paying attention to when, when, when I got a little bit more advanced. I really wasn't paying attention to what they were doing. I was paying attention to what the elk, elk were, were doing. doing. What what they were saying when they were saying it. And But rewind, as a beginner, I was just like intrigued. I was like, I got to go get a hoochie mama. I got to go get a Terminator. I got to go get this. And I drove my wife crazy because I was spending money. And she was like, yeah, yeah, you're, you're, yeah, you're not going to get it done. (laughs) (laughs) And, and, but it drove me to 
almost to the point of insanity because I was trying to figure it out. So if if you give it, I'll give you an example. If someone's trying to, you know, pass the bar exam for be attorney, lawyers, or if someone's trying to pass an EMT test or some advanced uh, medical test, and I'll give you those tests because those tests are super hard, right? And uh, if, they, if they're trying to study for it, they drive themselves insane trying to figure out exactly what they need to do to do this. Well, I did that. I had the truth one through 15 at the point. And they have so many more truths. You know, I got to the point where I, I stopped, <laughs> stopped buying DVDs. But back in the point where it was, it was DVDs. You know, I was popping the DVDs in and watching the DVDs. And, and uh, uh, my younger military days, I didn't have a lot of money. So the Outdoor Channel wasn't available. But then I, I think that uh, Pursuit Channel was available in my in, for DirecTV anyways. Not a promoter of DirecTV, just saying I had DirecTV. And, uh, well, I tell you, man, I watched everything I could for 30 minutes, an hour, and I just drilled myself as I was getting ready for, like, some a big exam, you know? And that was a turning point for me. Like, you know, I just wanted to figure out what what I need to do to be successful. I, you know, and, and these guys, I'm sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, I, I, and I would, I would think that, that some of you being able to figure out that you should be watching the elk comes from your wrestling background. As you watch competitors, you're not watching the guy that you're not going to wrestle. You're watching the competitor that you're up against in two, three weeks, right? You're watching his That's film right. to hone in on what he's doing. So I got to imagine that that lended itself to understanding that, Hey, I should be watching elk. Cause there's a lot of you know, you watch some of these videos and you get enamored by the guys that are that are making the videos. Uh, and we miss we miss the golden opportunities to grab that little tidbit of that body language that that elk had in that moment when when that guy set off that cow sound or whatever it is. So I just want to kind of point that out. Oh, no, that's perfect, because you look at successful like NFL teams and, and during their practice, they don't practice every day. Sometimes they have film days and they watch and film and they are watching their competitors and what they're doing and when they do it. Because you know what happens? They have habits, just like elk. They have habits on a consistent basis, regardless of where you are, what state you are. If you throw out a call to an elk. He's going to have a consistent base, a consistent pattern. And if you can try to kind of realize this pattern they're throwing out, then you're going to be successful regardless of what state you're in. Now, Oregon, Oregon might be a little different. The Roosevelt, eh, little, that might be a little different. I haven't hunted Roosevelt. That's it. I got to get out there and do that, but that gotta, might be a little bit more challenging. I got a buddy that has, I mean, he's, he is day one tag out every single year. And I'm not talking, Jeez. I'm not talking satellites. I'm talking herd bull <laughs> troll, nasty monsters, just freaks Jesus. of nature. And, and man, when I, when I talk to him, 
he just he hasn't pegged like he has he, and it goes back to that word he's right figured it out. oh dude it's he's it's an amazing it thing so so our thing now is when we talk about season and we've been doing as season gets closer right the phone calls ramp up and i try and jinx them every yep. year i'm like nah because you know oregon <laughs> starts in august and the last three years they've you know they've had bull down before september 1st and i'm like nah it's not your year bro Jesus yeah yeah i mean you're talking like the 28th and he's he's calling me you know at 6 a.m on the 20th 28th like hey first light dead bull down yeah and and dude is sending you a picture and it's like well that's not just any bull <laughs> that's not just any bull yep. i mean monsters dude yep. monsters so but yeah i think i think you know figuring figuring that habit out how they've been habituated you know um over generations right is is a right. is a big big deal that's right so um so where did where did and, and you you, you kind of said it right, but watching Primos and everything and it, you know you're in the woods, when you where did the skill set come from right? Did, how did you hone in? Because there's so much subjectivity when it comes to calling, right? And mm-hmm. and I want to talk about this in the calling realm. So if we want to tie it in, you know, now as well, but there's so much subjectivity in calling. Like, how's this sound? For you know, am I sounding like that elk? There's to me that I don't know that there's a perfect sound, and maybe that's different on stage. But how did you hone in that skill set to where you know you're piping off, and your buddy's like, bro, you got to go get on this stage. Well. I'm a, I back this up. Um, I was not a very good elk caller. Um, I picked up on a diaphragm immediately. I don't know where it came from. I really don't. Maybe um, I just got, you know, you know, the right pressure for your diaphragms or whatever it may be. It took some work to get the diaphragm to sound right. And I practiced that probably 30 minutes or more a day um, leading up to my very first season. But what I will tell you is uh, that wasn't where my money was. Hey, babe, can you grab an open read that's on the, um, the, the lantern in there? And um, that wasn't where I really dialed in like my, my, tunes and I apologize for everybody that's watching. I'm gonna have my wife grab a, a open read for me. And it really doesn't matter what open read, but um what I will tell you is this, thank you, babe. Uh what I will tell you is this is um is I use a lot of open reads. I mean these I mean like this is just man. some of them. <laughs> hey listen if you go back and you and you look at and if you want to see more pictures of me, I had a duck lanyard. Yes, sir. I saw that. <laughs> duck, I had a duck lanyard I saw with it. open open reads on there. I think it's your and, first uh, post to Instagram. It, it, I, yeah, yeah. My, my Instagram was one of my first posts, and I looked at it, and I was like, dang, I got like a, a duck lanyard of all these reads. And I still have that duck lanyard, by the way. But um, so, so I wanted to be different especially in the elk woods. And I started realizing like, you know, watching the videos, they would throw out a bunch of different calls and just sound like a herd. I never knew what these elk were saying. I couldn't even tell you what they were saying on TV at the time. But what I could tell you is this, I didn't humanize elk language until this point where in in my life, where I'm like, all right, I kind of know what they're saying. But 
So I used a lot of open reads in this situation. And I, I honestly, I mastered an L, like a, a cow sound immediately and didn't know why I maybe it was something that was destined to be. But when I threw a diaphragm in my mouth, I could make a cow sound. And everybody knew, man, that's a decent or that's a pretty good elk sound. But what I didn't master is is bugling through a tube and how to bugle through a tube with a diaphragm. So I was using the Primo's uh, Terminator to, to locate the bulls. So back to your question is, I didn't start like mastering sounds until about 2009. 2009 is when I, I went over the hill and I was like, all right, I think I got this figured out. Now I need to figure out what they're saying so I can master all the sounds. Now, what are they saying when they do that? And uh, that's when I started diving in a little further. But um, but I cut my teeth on, on open reads. I cut my teeth on open reads and I figured out how... I can use the Primos tube to call them in. I can use a diaphragm to, to mule them in. But I can use an estrus wine with an uh, open reed. And that was a uh, deal, I mean, like just over the top. And after that point, I was like, you know, I think looking at videos and watching other people, why? They, they, don't, they hardly ever use the open reeds. They use the open reeds just in case. They need to make a different sound, but they're using the diaphragms. So then, so then I started using, trying to master all my sounds with just a diaphragm instead of an open read. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I don't like the open reads, man. I've tried. What, no. what, what's that one you got there? Is that Dirks open? Yeah, so I got I got quite a few of them. Uh, this is, you know, That's the, the Easy Estrus, mm-hmm. Easy Estrus, and this one is. Uh, one of Dirk's favorites. Uh, I forget exactly what it's called. Um, it's so I got so many of them. It's crazy. Me too. You know, I, I I used I used them. I used I used these open reads when when they when the bull just don't want to commit. Sometimes you just gotta hit him with a little wine, mm-hmm. and and he'll come in. But you know where the open read started? The Primos videos. They were yeah. I was like. And the bull comes streaming in, but we also talking about talking about private land. Yes, we ain't sir. talking about public land. Well, they don't, and, and they don't tell you that, right? And that's and that's one of they the harder parts. Guys walk out and they're like, "Oh man, and Primo's boys have been doing it good. I'm gonna go out here and yep. emulate them, and, and it's gonna happen." And they get out there and they're, "What did I do wrong? I sound horrible." And it's like, "No, bro, you sound good, but you just didn't spend the, you know, the Primo's money on on that tag." <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot to be exactly. said for it. What do you, what do you, you, you started talking about language and I know the answer, right? But, but if you don't mind, talk a little bit, because a lot of what we do is we try to sound perfect, right? And this goes back into what we were talking about earlier a little bit, but we try to sound perfect. You can sound perfect, but if you ain't saying the right thing, the, the, and, and start that conversation with that bull or that herd or that cow for that matter, if you're not saying the right thing, if you're not talking the language, pitch perfect don't mean anything. It, it, I don't That's care right. if you got the best stage sound in the world. If you ain't saying it right, they are not moving in. 
That's right. Um, so I break this down and I'll start from the very beginning and hopefully these dogs don't start barking. If they start barking, I apologize. No, it is what it is. Um, but I'll start this off by saying this. Uh, from from a standpoint of you trying to get them to sound off um, and, and locate these bulls, and then we can dive in a little bit deeper into, you know, trying to locate bulls, but you hiked up some ridge and you want to get them to sound off. You, you have to throw out a location bugle. So a lot of people, this is controversy and a lot of people start off with a lot of different things. I might, I, I've, I change it up all the time. I might start off with a cow sound. I might start off with, you know, a location bugle. I change it up all the time. But what I will tell you is this, a location bugle, I want to, I want to, I want to see if there's something in there, if there's something in there. And I'll start off with a location bugle and that'll get, if there's a bull in there, that'll get it, it hopefully it'll get him speaking. And, and he's going to answer off with another location bugle saying, Hey, I'm over here too, buddy. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, we're just. I like humanizing it because we're humans and we speak language just like they do, but we don't understand exactly what they say. We try to say it. I mean, we try to understand what they're saying. And as we, we come up with more videos and more people are coming up with more videos, you could almost understand what they're saying just by body language. And if you pay attention to an elk long enough, you can be like, oh, he's horny. Oh, he's telling the other ones to get away, you know? So just off body language, you could almost tell exactly what they're saying. So for me, a location bugle going out there and and speaking to them is huge. If I'm answering this question right, I want to go out there and I want to say, hey, who's out here? You throw it out there in the canyon. And believe it or not, let's say you were on a different ridge and I was on a different ridge and it's within hearing distance. And I say, help. You'd probably say, hey, you'd yell back at me, right? Right. So if I I threw a location bugle out saying, hey, who's out there? Somebody might say, hey, I'm over here. So a location bugle is where I start first. And I start there and, and we can get into a little bit more advanced stuff, but I start with location bugle first. And uh, did I steer that off the wrong direction? No, no, no. It's perfect. It's perfect. And, and, and I throw a location bugle out and I'm trying to get a bull to respond. If he doesn't respond, I might give him something a little different. Um, I have a bugle tube here. I, I throw out a location bugle for you. Go ahead. Hopefully I'm, the might, audio is good. I might grab mine and try and beat you a little bit, man, since I since That's I had up on that stage. <laughs> I, love, I love competition. <laughs> I'm just talking shit. I can't so, feel that good. <laughs> so, so, so I run up. I say I run up. I, I'm hiking up this ridge. I get to a point where I think there's a bull there. I, maybe I know. Maybe I don't know. And um, I throw out a location bugle, and it sounds nothing like this. It's just, it's, 
uh, elongated cow sound and it drops off. Sounds like this. And all I'm trying to do is get him to respond. So all I'm saying is, all I'm saying is, hey, who's out there? And as soon as he responds, is then when I know his location. Now, granted, you're going to hunt with buddies. They'll be rambling through their packs. They're going to be trying to fidget for water. That's when you need to separate yourself from those guys. But if you're by yourself, if you're by yourself, go out a location view. Whether it's through a Primos tube or easy, uh, easy blow estrus with the Primos. Primos making a this this new tube they got is phenomenal. Um, but if you're blowing through an easy blow tube with the built-in reed, no problem. Just location bugle, drop it off. You don't have to chuckle with it. You don't have to do anything with it. All I want to do him, all I want him to do is respond. He's going to respond with another location bugle saying, "Hey, I'm over here." Once he does, you pinpoint his location or somewhere around his location, and then I'm moving in. Now, if you go into a basin and he doesn't respond with the location bugle, maybe you hit him with a, a few cow sounds, and then you hit him with another location bugle. It may just sound like this. And then you wait a couple minutes. He might wait a little bit and be like, oh, that sounded good. And, and then he responds. But for me, that is where I really started ramping up my elk calls and trying to find them. I started off with, the, like I said, in 2009, I started with the diaphragms. But before that, leading up to that point, I threw out a Terminator bugle, you know, read, boom, blow it out there, see where he was. If they didn't do that, I did a few cow sounds. If they didn't sound off, I just covered ground. Um, and, and I covered ground until one sounded off. And then when one sounded off, I used my open rigs and I used my other stuff to move in and try to get them to pull them in close. So um, for me, that was like overhead. Like, all right, this is where I'm coming over the curve and it's all downhill. And all I got to do is master this. And once I mastered like a location bugle, then I could then. I can get into some of the uh, technical calls and starting to figure out where they wanted to go. Hopefully I didn't dive off too deep, but no, no, not, not um, too deep. We did kind of stray a little bit, but, but it's easy reel in. So that, that pitch perfect sound, right? Cause that was a beautiful locate. Um, but, but uh, understanding we start there, right. And, and understanding the language. So I guess to get back on track, how do, how do you, escalate your situations or how do you know it's time to escalate the situation or tone it back down once you start moving in how do you continue that path forward to get that bull coming in or approach that bull so um let's go back to the pitch perfect sound 
You never have to have, you never have to sound pitch perfect in the woods because once you get out there, you'll learn that there's a lot of elk that they sound totally different. You know, I've heard cows sound like crazy. I've heard bulls sound crazy. I'm like, wow, that's, you know, off the chain. I wouldn't even, I think, you know, if some bull said, woo, you know, I was like, that ain't a bull. That's a human. And I get down there and it's a raghorn bull. So you don't really have to sound pitch perfect in the woods for the, for the viewers. Listen, you don't have to sound like a world champion elk caller to kill elk. I've killed elk many times with many partners that didn't sound very good, but we called in many elk sounding like elk, right? Saying the right and, thing, and though. That That's the point. Yeah. Saying the right thing at the right time. Now we we'll, we'll dial in to to going in and kind of talking the language and and speaking, trying to be at least on their level of language, because little do they know we might be speaking Russian and they might be speaking English, but we're still on the same language, language parameters, anyways. And um, so I, I say this broken English. And in English, because if you go down to Louisiana, you have a lot of guys with a deep accent and it's hard to understand them, but they still speak in English. Yes, sir. So so with that being said, uh, so when you get, you know, you go, you go out there and you, you, you throw out a location bugle and he locates back, um, you move in to where you think that's appropriate. My appropriate distance before I try to relocate him. Now, let's say he answers 800 yards away. Well, I might have to locate him a couple of times while I'm moving in. But let's say I threw out a location bugle and he answers 200 yards away. Well, I may only have to use, I mean, I may only have to uh, move 75 yards to close the distance. And then the, the question would be is whether he has cows or he's by himself. Now, I'm going to figure this out one or two ways. I'm going to figure this out one or two ways. He answered with the location bugle. The next thing I'm going to do is when I move in that 75 yards, so granted, we're back on the subject of he answered 200 yards away. I move in 75 yards. I close the distance quite a bit within where I, he's really close. And I might throw out a very low, low tone location bugle. And I'm listening to his tone of voice. It might be raspy, nasty, growly. I'm just listening to him. And as I listen to him, I'm trying to pick a couple different things away. I'm trying to pick whether he wants to fight or whether he's telling me that, you know, I'm cool right where I am, about to move off. You stay where you are. Now we're talking about, especially during September, those months of September, when the rut's starting to go on, the pre-rut, the rut, and the post-rut. September is a crazy month, and it, you can have ups and downs in September. But let's, let's just say early in September, I throw out a location bugle, just like I displayed earlier. He answered 200 yards away. I closed in 75 yards. I'm within 125, right? And 
Next thing I might do is another location bugle, but it might sound a little softer. And this is the reason why I say this, because if you know he's that close, why would you blow his head away by saying, I'm not going to do that. I already know he's really close. So I might just throw a contact bugle out. And the contact bugle sounds like this. Little growly, like, hey, where are you at? Kind of thing. And I'm just asking him where he is. Now, if he comes back ripping, immediately, I have my diaphragm in my mouth, immediately, I cut him off and say, I'm the baddest one, not mm-hmm. you. And I'm going to so pick fun. a fight. I'm going to pick a fight. That, I'm going to pick a fight with him. That, that is what I call the sex appeal of elk hunting, right? But that, oh, man, it, it's amazing. That is where ni- the 90% of us, right? And I'm using 90 for a reason because it's 10% success rate pretty much across the board. That's where 90% mm-hmm. of us go wrong is because we get yes. so drawn into the sex appeal of that challenge, right? That sound. Dude. That sound. That's that's where that 10% of success, right? Well, we'll say 8% because those 2% of those guys, they say just kill them year after year. It don't matter. But that's where the biggest, in my head, the biggest fail point is at, is rushing mm-hmm. into that scenario mm-hmm. without taking the time to decipher what they're talking about. What's going on? Yes, sir. Yep, what is going on and what they're saying. Yeah. And so, you, it's so, the funnest part so, of it. <laughs> yeah, so, so, but it took me years to learn this. What I will tell for a beginner caller is don't rush the situation. If you get into the situation, uh, I, I, I'll reflect back. Let me, can I reflect back? I'm going to reflect back to like a primo video. I can't remember exactly who said this. But what I will say this, is they said, if that bull is answering to a call and you're within that zone, and I'm going to call my zone within that 125 range, you're in that zone. You can't see that elk, but you know he's close. And he's answering to that one particular call. Keep doing it. Keep doing it. And he keeps answering, keep doing it. Now, if you're getting into advanced calls and you want to kill a mature bull, now we have to start thinking about outside the box. What is he saying? What's his language? What's what's his tone? Because if I started yelling at you right now, you're going to be like, why are you yelling at me? That's, you know, that's a violent term. You know, you, you're yelling at me, right? Elk are, elk are the same way. If if I started cutting your, as you're talking, and I started cutting you off without apologies, because we're going to be cutting each other off because we're we both we're cutting the podcast, right? So we're going to be cutting each other off all the time because we, you know, we just speaking. But if you're speaking and I'm listening and I started cutting you off, you're gonna get a little pissed at me. You're like, man, that's that's fucked up. You you keep cutting me off. <laughs> but what I what I will tell you is elk are the same way. Elk are the same way. So if I went in there and I did a very like a 
you know, a contact bugle, like, where are you at? And as soon as he bugles, I cut him off. That bull is going to fire up immediately. I don't, I don't know one bull, but what I won't do is I won't overdrown him. I just keep it the same level, same aggression level, same tone, maybe even smaller. I would even tend to say a little smaller. I'm aggressive anyways when I'm hunting, but, but even a little smaller bull that keeps cutting them off. That are, that that drive them nuts. Painting a picture. And you're, yes, and you're painting that picture for him in his mind, and he'll be like, you know what, you know what, f this, I'm gonna come in, I'm gonna beat this little little boy up, yep. and I'm gonna show him who the man is, and he can hang out with me, but we go, we gonna we gonna I'm gonna demonstrate to him who the man is. So, but but for the beginner caller, I think don't don't rush into the situation, don't get. Uh, so hasty and be like, oh my god! Yeah, it's hard uh, not to. You know, <laughs> it is. It's very hard not to, especially when you have a majestic beast like an elk just screaming at you. It's it's like a dinosaur for some people that's never elk hunted. Did you get with it? I mean, if you're if you're well inside the red zone and that sucker's within 40, 50 yards and you bugle, I swear you could feel it go right through you even at that distance. Oh, you could. Jeez. You feel your shirt going like this. Oh, dude. <laughs> you get them within 20 and they hit you. I got the chills. Oh. God dang. Yeah, you, hey, <laughs> if your heart ain't rushing, I don't know Walk what it is. Walk out the woods. You're you're in the wrong place at the right time, we'll say, if exactly. it's not hitting you. So you, you talked about, you know, humanizing it. And I heard, I heard you on uh, John Stallone's podcast, Days in the Wild. And you had, and it, and it I just started cracking up. Um, but you talked about walking past the hotel room and I was, and I, as much as I laughed about it, right. I'm like, this is a great analogy, right? Because I think that that's an, that's important, you know, in that fail point in, in not humanizing the L calls because that lends itself to our understanding. So hit him yes. with, hit him with that just because I, I really enjoyed hearing that. And I'd love to hear it again, right from the horse's mouth, so to speak. But I think it's important to, relay more than just that that bull situation that solo bull that's that's bugling at you yeah so you'll run into situations where you're in the woods and maybe possibly there's no elk answering at all and you 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 may have to throw out the kitchen sink at them but what 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 we really was touching base on is is that you might have elk on the ridge they may be based over there with a bull and some cows. And you may be just trying to locate them. And you throw out a location bugle and there's nothing. You throw out some cow sounds, there's nothing. And what we really were saying is sometimes you have to throw in a breeding sequence into this. Um, Joe Turner does a great analogy. You can look up his YouTube videos. He does a, a great breeding sequence into this. And um, I, 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 before, before I even looked at his videos, I was analogizing this. I mean, going back in my mind, like, and, and not, not to use his stuff, but he does a great job of explaining this. You walk into a bar and you're single, right? And in the bar, 
there's quite a few married folks in that bar. And there's guys playing at the pool table, but there's girls at the bar hanging out. And you see this fine chick over there. And you're like, you know what? I done had a few drinks before I even got to the bar. I'm going to go holler at her. And you throw out a bill and you're talking to the ladies. And But little to your knowledge is that her husband's sitting over there playing pool, you know, having a good time with the other guys, playing in the mud, playing in the mud, like, yo, playing in the mud. But his ladies are sitting over there. And I'm trying to paint the picture together, right? So I go into the bar. I done had a few drinks. I'm feeling about myself. I see some fine ladies over there. I see the guys over there at the bar. But my mission is, I'm coming in here to talk to these ladies. I'm coming (laughs) in here to talk to these ladies. So when I go in here and I start talking to the ladies, lo and behold, pool table stops. Pool game stops. As soon as I start speaking language at the ladies, the pool game stops. It may not stop immediately, but eyes are turned. And I said this on John Stallone's because uh, I was in a, in a in a hotel. Imagine this: me and you, we're going back to the to the room. We'll have a few drinks and we're gonna play some cards, maybe some spades with a couple of other bu- buddies. Let's say all males. It's four of us. We'll have a spade game, and we're walking down the hotel room, and uh, and shooting the crap, just talking to each other, elk language, right? Whatever it may be, but we're going to humanize it. And in that room that we get ready to pass, we hear, oh. <laughs> hey, there it is. What are you, you going to do? Yep. We, you might have your front buddy that didn't hear it, but three people out of the four of us are going to stop and say, hey, did y'all hear that? <laughs> and if there was a window, if there was a window in that door, we'd look. We'd look because we're males. Now, are we going to get in the party? We, we, if we, you know, humanize it, you know, you're married, you, you're not going to get in that party, right? But if you humanize it, you're going to look. I don't care who you are. You're going to look. You're going to look. Now, okay, let's let's break it down in elk fashion here. We're on the side of a hill. These elk aren't answering. They're not doing anything. We can't get a bugle. We can't buy a bugle. We just walked in the bar, remember? We're going to start talking to the ladies. Joe Turner does it best, man. He does it best. And what happens when you start talking to the ladies is you 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 res- you get a response that's out of this term. Now his 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 grunts his grunts. I mean his uh his his glunking is off the chain. I haven't even mastered that. Not you know I'm still learning to this day. Excuse me. I'm still learning to this day. His his glunks are amazing. Yeah, absolutely. When his so if if he throws in a breeding sequence, I 
As a human, I'm running I'm over. Run, I'm running. I'm running over there. Hey, daddy. I'm running over. Yeah, hey, yeah, hey, daddy. But what I will say is, what I start doing is, I never, I never throw any chuckles or grunts into my stuff. My, I, I might go into something that I might hit the tube, and and I don't know if y'all can hear that, but that. I'm glunking, right? But if there's a far ridge, that bull's not going to hear that glunking. It's it's hard to hear that from a tube. But what I will do to him is I, I'll do this. And it might go like this. <laughs> And I'm initiating a breeding sequence. Now, can I glunk and stuff like that? I might hit my tube. I can't do it like Joe Turner. Shoot, Rock, Rocky did a breeding sequence at uh, the 2020 World Championships. I thought it was great. You know, I, I thought it was great. You know, his breeding sequence had me all hyped up. But um, <laughs> I don't know. But, but I don't know I that there's say, anybody that can that can do that glunk with a diaphragm through the tube like Joel Turner. I haven't. No, I haven't heard no. anyone that comes close. And and if it isn't a bull elk. If your eyes are closed and you had to pick Bull Elk, Joel Turner, you would have zero clue of who it was. You wouldn't know who it was. Nope. You wouldn't know it's who amazing. it was. amazing. You didn't know who it was. Uh, in in uh, April, was it April? Yeah, it was April. I went up and spent some time with uh, Dan Staten and Dirk Durham and and Joe Turner up there. And I, I went up there and helped out with Dirk and some of the elk calling um, sequences and, and trying to help those guys out. They were in town. It's only 45 minutes to an hour away. Went up there and spent some time with them. And literally, Joe Turner and that glunking, I was like, and then he started showing me, trying to, he said, you, you can get it. I know you can get it. I said, Give me some time, and I'm gonna shoot you a video of this. I still haven't got it. I'm like, <laughs> I still can't figure it out, but it is amazing. But but what I will tell you is, you don't have to sound like Joe Turner. You don't have to sound like Rocky or any of those other guys. But if you could just get into that 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 like th- those bulls, they know what's going on, and I'm a I'm a Painting the picture again. Imagine us going down the hallway or going to play spades together. And you hear, "Ah." (laughs) you're going to look. You're going to look. If you don't entertain anything, you're going to look. If you could look through the peephole, you would try to look through the peephole of that door. And and it's the truth. It's the truth. So when you try to elicit a a response out of non-bugling elk, and you know it's elk in there, Throw out a breeding sequence and you will get the response that you need. And if you don't get a response and you go to the other side of the ridge and you don't get a response, move, move. They're not in there. They're not in there. 
Hopefully that answers your question. Oh, absolutely, man. I and and again, just to hear that 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 analogy again. That's one of the best damn analogies out there. I don't care what anybody says. What what's your what's your opinion of of like low audible sounds, right? Since we're talking glunking. I love raking. Um, you know, the last couple of years that has been where I've seen more animals is just getting into a very low audible, you know, cow and some bull sounds, but man, that raking dude, it just uh it seems to just light things up now it's a little bit harder to get that commitment um but man you want to you know i i lend it to what i've seen in that unit we were talking about earlier um you you do get crowds on public land and dudes are in camp and i I witnessed it dudes are in camp around the fire six bugle tubes and guys are piping off in camp right so the bulls ain't talking you know i mean they they've gone I know there's opinions of this, but I've I've experienced it day before opener. Bulls are screaming. I mean, guttural dinosaurs screaming. A few trucks come in. You hear a few bugle tubes go off. Bulls are they silent. They just shut up. So they I've really up. gone the route of cow calf, low audible bull sounds. What's your opinion of that? And then where, what's your stance on raking them? Yeah. So so. I, I I am a big fan of, especially high pressured areas. You don't have to make a lot of sounds to bring bulls in. I'm gonna give you a quick story, <laughs> kind of funny story, but at the same time, it, it's real. Uh, we came into a high pressured area, and 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 one of the units that we were talking about. Um, we came into a high pressured area. I wanted to check this area out. And we knew it was hunters that have hunted those areas. And but I wanted to get deep into this uh this big draw in there and kind of check it out. And um no one really, you know, when when those guys were not when I set out a plan, no one really argues. They's like, let's go. We know it's gonna be grueling. <laughs> let's just go. And my buddy, my buddy Pat didn't pack a lot of water. And he had a gout attack. <laughs> he was having gout problems and he needed really to flush his system with lots of water. But he had taken some medicine that, that made him really dehydrated. So he was drinking a lot of water, a lot of water. We was leaving him up the trail and we had to wait for him a few times. And uh, we get up to this little flat and he says, man, I got to poop. And I said, well, you go poop. Me and my buddy Jim are going to sit right here. And literally, I'm going to tell you what I did. I'm, I'm going to make this sound. Hopefully, hopefully it comes through. This is exactly what I said. This is what I said while I was sitting here while he was pooping to the left. So let's look like we're envisioning like I'm downhill, just sitting at the hill and I'm downhill. And uh, I'm looking down here. Me and me and my buddy Jim are looking down here. And um, he's up there taking care of business, you know, taking care of uh, what they get, paperwork business. <laughs> and uh, literally, I, I made this sound. And I'm not sure why the video is kind of cutting out. Anyways, I made this sound. And then I cut out and I waited for a couple minutes 
And then I went like this. I left it alone. And I sat there, and at the very bottom of where we were, it was a good deep draw. We were hearing trees crack. I was like, wow. I didn't make another sound. I told my buddy Jim, I said, man, get your bow ready. Something sounds like it's coming. So we're so fixated on this sound below us. And this trees, trees cracking. This, these are elk. I, I, I know it. I've been in the woods long enough. It's some, it's some elk down here. <laughs> Pat's up there taking care of paperwork. Don't know how far he is. And literally, I heard a tree crack behind me. I turned, and there's a six by six staring dead at us. We're so fixated on this sound below us because it was elk below us that we didn't, we didn't know. know it was elk above. Didn't even know it was elk below. And we didn't make, I just made a couple growly noises and, and it, like I was kind of tending to some, some cows and the cows were kind of moving around and the bull, the bull was, you know, not crazy active, but he's just telling the cows, you get your over, get over here, woman. You know, and sure enough, a bull moves in and he's right above us. Nice six by six. And Jim is like, <laughs> so I turn and he, this bull is staring dead at us. And he's like, uh, that ain't no elk. Boom, he busts out of the woods. So then Pat comes down the hill. He's like, hey, uh, we're going to move? Dude, you just didn't see that elk? You didn't hear that elk? The elk snuck in like a turkey. Snuck in like a turkey and wanted to see what the heck was going on. It's almost like that 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 breeding sequence that I was telling you about. Mm-hmm. Hey, I want to see what's going on. So, so low audible sounds are some of the best techniques, especially in high pressure areas. You don't have to sound mean and aggressive, but those are some of the best techniques. And on public land, high pressure areas. You can just hit them with a calf sound. Shut it up. Hit them again with it. And sometimes you'll get bulls to answer. It's amazing. Head on I, swivel, am a firm, I am a firm believer of, of low audible sounds in high pressure areas. Head's got to be on a swivel. I mean, that that your story Absolutely. there lends itself to it, right? Because that it's amazing to me that an animal of that size can creep in can on you. In. Yeah. Be eight <laughs> feet away. And then, you know, you can be shit. I've had, a, I'm walking down a trail, right? I'm like, okay, I want to get to that spot for whatever reason, right? Heard something, just have a feeling yep. about it. He scouted, scouted it during, you know, off season, whatever. Walking down yep. a trail, look right, look left, look back right, turn around in the left and you got, you know, he's looking at you. Yeah, you got a bull or two cows and a calf walking right next to you. You're like, where the fuck did they come from? Like, mm-hmm. how did this, how did that creature, right? Six, seven hundred pounds walk in. And then you get a bull to do it. And he has, you know, the, these four foot, four and a half foot antlers sticking off his head. And you ain't heard him walk in at all. Um, just yep. amazing, man. Those, that, those animals that, have me so GD enamored, man, from September 1st to September 1st. There's, there is no off switch when it comes to flipping elk, dude. It is uh, well, it's crazy. Well, I, I, I'm going to tell you and I'm going to go back to sometimes 
you just make a calf sound or a cow sound and literally and i'm gonna move my video around I'm I'm sorry, so because this thing is starting to get black on me, but you move around the woods, you got nothing to answer. You know it's elk in there. You know it's elk in there. Sometimes you just make a calf sound, and the calf, calf or castle, it doesn't really matter. You go in the woods. Don't have to be a loud cow. And then your buddy starts kind of raking the tree. Those are low audible sounds. They ain't going to go carry ridge to ridge. Those are low audible sounds. You know what happens? You draw a response. You draw a response immediately. And in, in the raking, it could be just on a tree. You grab a deadfall tree and you just rake it up and down. All you heard, you didn't you didn't hear no bugles. All you heard was a cat. All he heard was a cow sound and a couple rakes, and it draws him in. Man, it's key. It's so key. hold hold on, I'm gonna move away. I'll be right back. Hold on. No problem. So uh... So I got. Why are you doing that? I got it. Well, why are you doing that? I'm gonna go grab another beer. Uh, yeah, on. get get the bush, man. <laughs> <laughs> so so I have a, a an opinion, a strong opinion, for good reason okay. about grabbing deadfall, right? So so this this here, this here is this goes in my pack, right? It sits just what above my let's, this this. Uh, let me see it. I'm gonna this. switch videos. Oh. This right here, that goes in my pack every year. Look at that. It's worn out Is and it rubbed heavy? down. No. Is it heavy? Not at all, man. It might weigh like? might weigh a half pound. Okay. Okay. That little paracord on the end, my bugle tubes down here. This is in my pack like this. And there's okay. a reason that I carry this. Now, I picked up a stick thinking the same thing. Oh, deadfall, right? You get into beetle kill or that tree fell because of dry rot or it's been on the ground for a season and a half. You get in uh -huh. there and you pick it up. And if you have a weary animal and that and that branch snaps, I watched an, one of the best animals I have ever seen the ass of hear that branch snap. When I picked up that deadfall and I tried to rake up that tree and the first sound was crack. That animal didn't, oh, yeah. he didn't look, he didn't hesitate. He 180 and he bounded off and I would never to be seen again. It haunts me to this day. So I started carrying this bad boy and uh, this is my rake, man. I, it goes in the woods. People give me shit about it. You carry that stick with you in your pack. And I'm like, look, I'm not an ounce guy. I'll carry this. This is security for me. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like so it. So I carry, I I carry like that it. thing around, man. I can't do the deadfall thing. That that was one of the biggest. And this was on a deer hunt. Um, they were rutting. And, and one of my coastal zones, man, they rub a lot. And when I when that when that blacktail busted on me and he was he's the biggest I've ever seen in California. And uh, yeah, it was. Uh, after that, it was like, nope, I'm not going in the woods with with picking up sticks. That thing weighs maybe a half pound. I'm carrying it. I believe it. I believe it. But it's uh, um. Yeah. Well, hey, give me a second here. Yeah, yeah, I'm a, I gotta use the bathroom. I'm, I'm about to. Maybe we can edit this out. I don't know. We may or may not. I won't show it on video. <laughs> <laughs> give me a second here. Yes, sir. Really, like. 
breaking in laudable sounds. I I'm a firm believer. But if you yeah, like if you need to carry a stick or something like that with you, especially in those it, it's my opinion that in those high pressure areas, you need to be you need to be able to adjust and first and foremost I want you to be able to sound as much as an elk as you can as as good as an elk can sound for yourself and then being able to kind of be able to change things up and and what I mean by is raking trees or or, you know uh, doing something different and it doesn't have to be loud because sometimes those bulls are already. When we talk about, I must, I must say this again. I don't. We don't live in wolf country here. Soon we will be in wolf country, but uh, that's a different subject. But uh, <laughs> what I will tell you is, you you get up into those those uh, wolf countries, those grizzly bear countries. Those low audible sounds that's what's are going to be win. the ones. That, yep. Those are the ones that's going to win. Yep. You don't need to be, you know, aggressive this aggressive elk that's building in every ridge. So we well, talked, I'm oh, sorry. That kind so, of answers that question. Oh no, like I said, man, perfect. I mean, it's, you know, a lot, and you said it, right? Your opinion of it, a lot of it is opinion, but that opinion is, you know, drowned in fact, because there's, you know, mounts on the wall. Um, you said adaptability, right? And, and that, that is a, a huge deal, right? Guys will get, you know, caught up in what we talked about earlier, that sex appeal, right? That's their whole game is locate, challenge, chuckle, you know, and just scream, trying to pick a fight. But that adaptability Mm -hmm. and understanding why you have to be adaptive, and you brought it up earlier, we didn't really touch on it, was that pre, that rut, that post-rut scenario, right? And and you need to be adaptive Mm -hmm adaptive in the woods so you can hit each and every scenario based on where the elk are at in that season when that elk comes into estrus she's in estrus for literally a few hours right um right. a dozen hours or so she falls out you got two weeks right um right. you, you got to be able to to move from scenario to scenario to scenario try and understand where you're at but if your repertoire isn't built up enough to get you through all that be it low audible sounds the, the sex appeal sounds the cow calf sounds you're really limiting you know yourself to that that 90 percentile um and we know what the 90 percentile tastes like right paper don't taste good oh. care how much salt and pepper yeah. you put on it i'm always sending pictures to friends with with uh, uh a piece of tag between a sandwich <laughs> i'm telling you i said don't be that one i'm not gonna be that one but you you could be that one if you keep going in that direction that you're going you're gonna be that person that eats that tag that's it um but absolutely you gotta you gotta be diverse and think outside the box sometimes so one of the things that we didn't talk about, um, and I'm not sure how many folks know, uh, but you also run Koha, right? Colorado High Altitude Hunters. Give us a little background on yeah. that. I I was out, where were we? Oh, geez, Louise. I was in Beaver, Utah uh, about three weeks ago, a month ago or so, and uh, never had altitude sickness, man. So it's really been, it's been on my radar. And, uh, man, I got hit. We were at uh, 10,000, 10,004. And, boy, it hit me hard. Um, 
so now I'm on this thing, right? So I was looking at the Koha stuff a little bit, and you guys don't have you know much on there about that, but I was interested in you know learning a little more, little bit more about Koha. Well, you know, Colorado High Up Two Hunters was evolved from uh, um, it evolved before uh, when I won World Championships, and my buddy Pat and I was talking about you know. Uh, being an educational based company where we we wanted to cut the learning curve down for other people that just got into hunting elk and how could we do that so and it's still as baby stages but what we want to do is just educate people on uh what it takes to come out here in high altitude and whether it's colorado or anywhere and teach them the things that they're going to have to know to be able to hunt elk and be successful. And that's kind of where that, that, that evolved. And, uh, right now we're in the baby stages. Uh, hopefully this year we'll be able to cut some footage and get some footage out there and it, it'll be, you know, it'd be titled, uh, something else, but it'll be a part of the, the Koha family, the, the Colorado how two hunters and, and all the, guys and gals that are part of that uh will be a part of that video uh segments that we might drop in on youtube but we, we're, we're still kind of building off that but um we just want to be an educational uh base we we don't make money from this we want the the average learner to learn exactly how i learned when i was you know trying to cut my teeth on elk hunting i didn't pay anything but for videos and that was off my own dime but what i didn't want other people to do is have to pay for something when they can go on youtube and find it Mm -hmm. so i want these people that to understand that uh, it's one big family when it comes to elk hunting and we have a, a a wealth of knowledge out there but but finding the right people to do it sometimes is super hard and giving you the right knowledge. Some people will take advantage of you and they'll ask you millions of different questions. But be honest, man, I I never asked a question out of anybody, anybody. Never asked a question, I self-taught myself. So I wanted to give something back because just like wrestling, you know, I built all this knowledge based off of other people's knowledges, other people's, you know, the skill sets. But can I give back? In the same way I, I commuted back to the hunting community, can I give this knowledge back and can we do it free? And if they want to buy a shirt, cool, you know. But we're not in it for any profit. I just want to give you knowledge that I could help you learn faster than I learned. Um, that's what uh, Colorado Ohio two, two Hunters is all about. And as far as altitude sickness, oh, I can give you a wealth of knowledge about that. But, <laughs> but when, when you start getting up, because we hunt high altitude early in the season, and I, I, I explained this with Dan Staten, with the with elk shape on one of his podcasts, I said, "Man, you can get up there at at twelve thousand feet and 
You, if you ain't in shape and you ain't ready, even if you're in shape, sometimes yep. it'll hit you. Yep. It will hit you. But what uh, I explained to him, I said, we carry, um, I carry some headache medicine with me. We're going to knock down a headache medicine and I make sure that that person's rehydrated plenty going into that because my wife gets that same same kind of thing so when she comes in at like uh we base camp at ten thousand feet and we may hunt at 11.5 or or 11.8 um so we base camp at that she may have to sit at that altitude for 24 hours and we hunt right around that that altitude before we go in any further and we carry headache medicine and i make sure my wife is uh well hydrated before going into that uh, those big, big altitude hunts. So we're not talking about you know mountain goat or mount, uh, uh, big ha- big horn sheep country, but we are talking about really high altitude. Mm-hmm. Um, but once again, to get back on to Colorado high altitude hunters, you know it's just an educational program. I say program, just a you know website slash uh, something you can go to to educate yourself off of uh, Colorado. Colorado individually Colorado we'll we'll venture off in other states but just uh just educate people off of what 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 is it going to take to come into Colorado and and maybe kill an elk or or other big games too having having some encounters success. or success yeah 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 so yeah absolutely Okay, so we get these guys, you know, unfortunately, and I and I'm sure you've been a part of it. I've been a part of it over the years here and there. But you get these guys and we're staring down the barrel of the uh, proverbial gun of season, right? And that gun is loaded mm-hmm. and it's pointing right between our eyes. I effed up and I haven't prepared like I should have prepared. And I know that I haven't prepared like I should have prepared. What do you tell them? Wow, that's a loaded question. Let's rewind. Let's rewind. Who is this person? Where is he at? Is he in Colorado? Is he in the Western States? All right, let we we got a big we got a big part of those tags being sold to guys out east. So let's say this guy is coming from you said North Carolina. So let's roll with North Carolina. Coming from North Carolina. Yeah, he ain't he ain't ready. And does he have a muzzleloader or does he have archery. a rifle? Let's call it archery because that's the sexy part. <laughs> he has archery equipment and he comes out to Colorado and he uh, he has a bull in sight and his heart's pounding through his roof and he's trying to stabilize himself and try to get the shot, right? Yeah, we'll go with that scenario. Perfect. Okay. Okay. Well, you you've already listened to to the podcast and you prepared yourself uh, mentally but not physically and you're here and you've managed to call a bull in and your your heart's beating cuz you ran up 10,000 feet to to catch up with this bull and and you uh and, and you just can't control yourself. You just can't you can't figure it out what I first thing first thing first is before you even pull your bow back or you loaded your rifle calm yourself down calm yourself down because honestly if you got to the point of you getting into that range calm yourself down take deep breaths 
the more breaths you can take, deep breaths, you'll be able to bring in more oxygen, which is going to allow your, your body to relax. I tell friends all the time when we hike mountains, I tell them deep breaths. You can hear them breathing. <laughs> I'd be like, oh, you didn't do what it takes to get here, but you're here with me. Deep breaths. Don't allow yourself to get in that predicament where you're in the mountain and you cannot even focus. And if you can't focus, I'm going to tell you right now, don't even draw your bow. Don't even, don't even draw your bow. Don't even pull the trigger on this because you're not, you're not in the, the, the you know, right mind to even, you're going to lose so much focus because you're focused on breathing and catching your breath and trying to survive. Just calm down, take deep breaths. And when you can gather yourself, then you can refocus on the task at hand. Now you have this bull within range and we're going to use archery for example, within range. So give you an example. We we blow out a bugle, this bull answers. We close the distance, he answers. Next thing you know, he moves down the ridge. I mean, moves up the ridge. I tell my buddy, let's go, we gotta cut the ground. We cut the distance. He's not in shape, I'm in shape. I'm the caller, but he's the shooter. He gets up there, he's he's breathing hard, right? You know what I want first thing to do? Deep breaths. Deep breaths. Calm down. Calm down. I'm going to whisper to him. Calm down. Deep breaths. Okay, now refocus. Now, I want you to sit up here, but I want you deep breaths. And do not pull that bull back until you're ready. Now, I'm going to call this bull in. So, what, I, what I'm going to tell you is right now is we'll, we'll go back to the fact that if you're going to come out to the Western states, be ready. Be ready. Because these mountains will eat you alive. They will eat you alive. There's some terrain in in these Western states that you you might be able to handle, but some of these some of these areas will eat you alive. And I'm I'm gonna tell you, you know, there's I don't know how many 14ers in Colorado. I've never climbed any of them, but but Pikes Peak. I've climbed Pikes Peak, and I won't do it again. Um, <laughs> but but there's because I've never lost anything up there. I don't know why I did it in the first place. <laughs> didn't find didn't nothing. Have a tag. Didn't find nothing, didn't apparently. Find nothing. <laughs> didn't find nothing. Didn't lose nothing. Why did I do that? But what I will tell you is, when you're coming out to the Western states, these mountains will eat you alive. And you can be on on the heavyset side or the big side or not in shape. And, and you could get it done, but it's going to hurt like hell. And you're not going to enjoy it. You're going to find yourself at camp flipping burgers, trying to re- recover from days from the, the, the past that you're, you're going to miss days hunting. If you could get out and do a little bit every day to, to better yourself before you come out, if you're on the East Coast or you're you're in the you know lowlands, if you could do something every day to better yourself, do it. Especially if you have a tag. And I, I explain this, and I I, I I really mean well by it. But 
there's a lot of different things that you have to do to prepare yourself for for elk hunting and and in the western states and i explain it like i do when i'm wrestling you, you first you, you you have to have the drive and in the 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 fortitude to to say you know what this is what i want to do these are my goals so that that ain't even a line in the factor but what is in the factor is nutrition your diet keeping yourself somewhat healthy and fit physical condition you don't have to be the the most fit on the mountain but you have to be physical fit for yourself to be able to say, you know what, I can hike this mountain and not breathe heavy. And if I do get the opportunity, my heart's not beating through the roof where I can't pull the trigger on this animal. And if you can't, if you're, if you're, your, your heart's beating through the roof and your nerves are out, off the chain, don't, don't even pull the trigger. Don't even pull your bow. Don't even load a, load a, uh, um, a bullet in the chamber. Next thing is, is that if you keep your diet and all that in check, the next thing you have to do is you have to do research. You know where these animals are. You know where what you have to do to get to that point. And those are your e-scouting and all that other stuff that comes in play. And if you, you know, you have people on podcasts, maybe you can reach out with them on Instagram and hit them with a DM and say, hey, uh, I'm in Colorado or I'm in Wyoming or Montana. This is what I got. What do you suggest? Don't be afraid to ask those questions. Because if you don't ask, you don't, don't know. know. You don't know. Next thing I'm going to tell you is be be efficient with your, your, your equipment. Meaning whether it's a bow or whether it's your rifle. Here in the Western States, we could take some long range shots. Long range. I didn't realize that until I came out of Colorado. We could shoot bombs out here. But... I practice at these 70, 80 yards, but I don't have to take those shots if I can call them in. Mm -hmm. Now, on that same line, I call this animal in. Now my calling ability comes in a factor. And I mean, I'm talking about being able to use a diaphragm, being able to use an open read, call them in as close as possible. Now, if you're a rifle hunter and you, and, and, and you can shoot out those long ranges, gravy. But you still have to practice those long ranges to be able to do that. So on that line, you have your calling ability. You have your, you know, long range shots, your short range shots, your, you know, bringing them in close kind of thing. So you have to read it like an EKG. You're. If on a medical field, you know, you're looking at those waves in the line and hey man, this guy's heart rhythm is is something wrong with this. And if you got dead lines, you're done, you're done. man. You're done. <laughs> you're done. So I'm gonna bring it in the perspective of make sure like these lines are as equal and and as on rhythm as possible before you come out to hunt elk in these high altitude areas and then reach out to people and, and touch base with them because they'll they'll hit you up with a wealth of knowledge that you might not realize that it's going to pay dividends for you. That's right. What, uh, so you said a couple things in there, right? And, and the one that I really liked is, and this takes some, some real honesty on a guy's part, 
don't pull the bow back, right? If if there is question, if you're struggling that much and you have that bull coming in, you you have to be. I, I get it, right? And I'm in the same boat. I'm traveling out of state to go hunt. I got and I and I get more time than most. Uh, but you got X amount of days, and I understand you want to get it done. But you got to know that if you're struggling. With nothing in your pack, if you are fortunate enough to be in the position to kill an elk, you need to be cognizant of the fact that your workload is going to increase a thousand fold when you got to make four or five trips to pull (laughs) that elk out of the woods. Not only do we owe it to ourselves and our families to get home safely, we owe it to that animal to be in enough fitness physical condition right but but mentally too to understand that we're in a bad position and we can risk that animal i've heard plenty of guys like man i can't make another trip back in to get the rest of that beat out that that shit ain't right that is that that, that hurts me right that That hurts me deeply that shit ain't right so you have to be in a position to be honest with yourself willing to blow that tag for the what we'll call the moral and ethical side of what we do absolutely right that empty pack kicking your ass that that 80 pound quarter is going to kick your ass even more i'll give you a quick story and uh it, it it speaks the truth of what you just said um unfortunately in 2012 i didn't make the olympic team and I thought that was my my that, that was the year that I was going to make the Olympic team, and it got shot down. I lost. I lost in the semifinals, and I was discouraged. Um, I really was super bummed out. And um, long story short, I had other things that I needed to focus on and it wasn't just wrestling it wasn't just hunting it was family and other things and my wife wrote me in and said there's life after this and you need to you know check yourself real quick so she wrote me in and I realized that so we had uh, Olympic trials in June I believe it was didn't make the team I drew an elk tag wasn't even concentrated on elk tag. I was so concentrated on making an Olympic team. I got that got dumped. But also, I I needed a break. I needed a break from wrestling. I needed a break. I just needed a break. And uh, anyways, so I rolled myself back in to say, you know, what's my what's my other passion that I absolutely love and it was elk hunting and that was my next passion so let's go after this tag let's feel this tag and let's be successful 2012 no one drew a tag with me i was by myself by myself my wife came out she had a deer tag and it was amazing we we had an early season labor day hunt she killed an amazing buck and uh and then they left me the kids they they enjoyed the hunt and uh, they left and it was time for me to get an elk down and I hunted hard because I only had so many days because what I did is I told uh, my unit world class athlete program that I wanted to leave and I wanted to leave and I wanted to take a break from wrestling and I wanted to you know it, 
I didn't say this in the past, but I'm a 68 whiskey combat medic for for the army. So I wanted to work in my medical field for a little bit. And uh, I told him to send me over to the hospital so I can get some experience with them, just get away. So I was transitioning from being a world-class athlete program, being an athlete to being on the, the, the medical field. And so I only had a short window to get this elk killed. And I, I put a lot of pressure on myself to get it done. And I was in the woods cutting miles, cutting miles, getting it done. And I told my wife, I said, I, babe, I don't know. I'm not running into a lot of elk and I don't know if it's going to get done, but I'm going to work my butt off. And she encouraged me and she just kept going. She's like, you can get it done. You can get it. Every night I come back to camp, she said, you can get it done, babe. Just keep going. So I I ran into a pocket of elk the day before and uh, I went in there in the evening. It was late evening, late evening. And I called this elk in, smoked this elk. The longest shot I made to date on an elk. Cause usually I pride myself in calling elk in really close. But to date, that was the longest shot I made. And it was a 52 yard shot on an elk. And uh, I killed that elk, smoked it. Double lung, heard it go crash. And I heard it breathing hard. And it was late evening. And um, I didn't bring any game bags with me. I had to go back to base camp. I called my wife and said, hey, it's gonna be a long night. I said, I'm, I'm about a mile and a half in on the woods. It wasn't that far. And for most people, they understand that sometimes you can kill them really close to, to, to you know where your truck is. Sometimes you back in miles. But that was about a mile and a half, mile, mile point two to mile point five in. and. Uh, being that it was late evening, I knew that it was my job to get that elk out of there that night for me because I didn't have game bags. I wasn't ready. So I took the responsibility to know, you know what? You're going to get this out tonight. And uh, I told my wife, I said, it's going to be a long night. And she said, okay, well, well, at least text me when you make it back to camp. And, uh, I made it back to camp. So I, I get back to the, the spot where I parked my truck. It's 9.15, I'm by myself, remind you. And uh, I get back to camp probably right around 2, 2.30 in the morning. But I made it my responsibility that, you know what? I'm gonna get this elk out tonight because it is super hot. I know during the daytimes it was getting up to 70, 71 degrees. I, I can't leave this elk in this woods. So I made it my responsibility to do that. But I made a, a great shot, an ethical shot. It killed the elk. I wasn't breathing hard, but I knew that if I left that elk in there, that it was going to spoil that meat. And I wasn't going to do that. And I owed that to the animal and I owed yes, it sir. to myself to make sure that that got done. Yep. And and, and I, for the viewers that are out there uh, now, I've changed my I've changed a lot of things that I've done. Um, so if the if the temperatures are not that that great, like it was that year, it was super hot. We was in a drought. And if it's not that hot and you know you can keep it cool, make sure you got like a, a antimicrobial bag 
or those lightweight bags and some paracord where you can hang it up in a tree and go right back early in the morning and get that animal out, especially if you're in like, you know, really deep in, in the back country and, and you're back very, very far. So just make it to, owe it to yourself and then owe it to the animal. Yes, and I, I'm a big, big fan of that because I, I can't stand the fact that you would go out there and shoot something and waste half that meat. Yeah, not it, saying that you made a bad shot and you you had to come back and find the animal at least be able to salvage what you can. Right, that's a different scenario though. That that's an absolute yeah, different that's a, scenario. That's an absolutely different scenario. Being scenario. honest about where you're at in your game, whatever that that is, um, even even with the shots, right? I mean, you know, you hear it all the time, right? And and I'm not and I'm not that guy, right? Where you hear guys that'll argue about anything over forty yards. I, to me, that's a technology thing that's antiquated as hell. Somebody could challenge me on it. I know uh, my buddy Michael <laughs> Batiste is going to hear that and, and cringe um i'm not saying take a 120 yard shot on a on a bull uh but we've seen success you know at 80 yards the last bull i shot he was within 22 yards i didn't i didn't get to bring that bull home so you have these variables uh, that are going to happen but being honest about the things you can control um that man that is paramount to me in the woods i'm absolutely yes. paramount i you know i as hard as it would be for me to pass on a big old six even a nice five honestly um if it's not the right time and place man i just gotta say it's not the right time and place you know don't pull the trigger can't do it cannot do it no i've done it i, I i've done some some crazy things in my younger hunting career that i would never Repeat. never fathom of doing again and those were lessons learned they were very hard lessons what i will tell is the viewers that the young elk hunters that are coming out to the western states whether it be mule deer whether it be coos deer whether it be antelope whatever the case mute uh bighorn sheep if the shot is not right don't take it don't force it don't take it don't force it because you're going to have opportunities you're going to get opportunities if you got that opportunity you're, you're going to get, get another more. opportunity that's right that is yeah, right you're get another well shoot brother why don't we uh we'll start to wrap it here we can uh i could i can go on for hours and hours and hours oh me too me too but why don't we let folks know where uh where they can find you give them the koha website any instagram handles things like that Absolutely. So you can find myself on my personal uh, Instagram as Jermaine Hodge underscore Colorado. And then you can also find us on uh, Koha, which is uh, C-O-H-A-H. And that's uh, that's on Instagram as well. And you can find us on Facebook, too, as well. Um, if you have any questions about, you know, Colorado hunting elk, Please DM me. I don't have any problem answering any questions. I feel free. I haven't hunted all the the units in Colorado, and I, you know, I'm just being honest with you. I got units that I love to hunt every year and try to get in every year. So if uh, if I haven't hunted that area, maybe I have some friends that have hunted that area, and we can share some knowledge. But what it's all about is uh, cutting the learning curve down for you guys and taking care of the guys that that want to get out here and try it. Uh, Colorado, for example, 
is up. They broke two records. Last uh, 2020, there were 600,000 applicants. That, that's unheard of. And then this year, they were up 639,000 applicants. So there's a lot of new hunters out there that, that are trying to get out here and do it. And here's the, here's the time. And if you don't know what you're doing, please go out and ask some of the guys that do know what they're doing. They can cut down the curve for you. And uh, the hard road that I have paid for myself I want to make this road a little bit easier for you. So reach out to me on Instagram and, 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 uh, and if you, if you, if you don't mind, uh, going out and hit us with a like. That's it. I can guarantee you Jermaine's not going to drop you on his favorite wallow, uh, but I'm sure he'll help point <laughs> you in the right direction. <laughs> we'll qualify. Because hey, uh, dudes yeah, will be like, yeah. hey, bro, I heard you on the podcast. Uh, can I get that pin drop? <laughs> Still going to have to work a little bit. <laughs> That's right. That's right. All right, brother. Well, I, I absolutely, man, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Um, hope we continue to to talk and, you know, uh, build, build a relationship. I will see you at Hunt X. We'll get you set down in the initial ascent booth um, and, and oh, talk a little awesome. elk hunting, talk about how your season was. Uh, but man, I appreciate it, and I'll be talking to you soon. Absolutely, I enjoyed it. Thanks again. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Follow Western Contours on Instagram, subscribe on YouTube, and sign up at westerncontours.com. Episodes are available on most major platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Stitcher. Subscribe, leave us a comment, and don't forget to hit that five-star rating. We appreciate the support, and until next time, lay them down.